Mighty Rhino, back again for another episode of the Sports Cap. And let's dive right into it. We got a pretty big episode on the go tonight, but first things first, what hat are you wearing, pal? Hey, mate. Well, today I have my LA Dodgers cap on uh, to, I don't know, maybe show a bit of uh, support for the the players. Uh, they're in the midst of a a lockdown or a standoff with the collective bargaining agreement with the ownership. Um, it's looking today like that the the first two two rounds might be uh, cancelled to start mm. of the season. So it's a no, I mean they've been locked out for three months now. So it's going to be interesting to see how how the season progresses and if how you know spring camp and all those things kind of play out if uh, there will be a season this year at all. Interesting. So, I haven't really been following yeah. it. So, well, that's news to me. That's huge, man. Yeah, it's massive. What about yourself, mate? What do you got on? Um, I've got my grand final hat on. The last time I was back home, I were, went to the grand final when the Roosters uh, beat Canberra. Um, been talking with the missus lately, and there might just be a possibility that we might get back to Australia um, for the grand final this year. So it's purely personal. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but might be a might be another trip to the grand final, and then Bathurst the weekend after. Um, I haven't told her about Bathurst yet, though. Um, so we'll we'll see. But we're having a look at it. But I'm I don't know. I'm doing it more of a good luck charm than anything else. Trying to conjure the green man. Yeah, that's right. That's what life's all about, pal. <laughs> um, all right, this episode, we're obviously going to dive into the power rankings, uh, the top eight. Um, there's a lot to talk about there. Um, and then, I don't know, we're having a little, a little bit of a closer look at how our model's going to work for the upcoming season, what we've been working on over the, the European winter. And then even having a little bit of a, a discussion about some of the young gun players that are coming through that are actually uh, sons of some of the big time players that we watched when we were kids growing up and a little bit about the excitement about that. Um, but let's jump straight into it, mate. Um, Charity Shield was an interesting game. Obviously didn't go the way that we thought it was going to go and a lot the way a lot of other people thought it was going to go. Um, I think the Dragons had a cracking start there and it just turned the game straight away on, on its head. Um, yeah, but definitely didn't go 13+, plus like we like we thought. Um, it almost went the complete other direction. What are your thoughts on the game, mate? I was still holding out hope quite late into the game there. I thought... Um, even though the Rabbitohs had been completely run over, they were still within reach. They looked like they were up until I know it was maybe like eight or ten minutes left. They were attacking the the Dragons line and they just made a silly error. But you know, if they had have scored a try there, they were you know they would be even. And then it's you know anything can happen. Open the floodgates. Maybe that the eight and a half that you had was was looking quite tasty at that point, mm. but. Yeah, no, no, nowhere near. And, you know, good on the Dragons for, for getting up. I, I thought that that game was won on effort 
I remember thinking, uh, you know, midway through the second half, the line speed of the Dragons getting up in defence compared to the Rabbitohs was like chalk and cheese. They were just, they were more hungry. They wanted to play. They wanted to win. And, you know, if it hadn't have been for Cody Walker and his brilliance in attack, the Rabbitohs might have, you know, not even scored points. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it obviously meant a lot more to the Dragons. It was more important for them to get a win in preseason. Um, a few teams maybe that we'll look at a little bit later on um, needed, yeah, needed a win in that. In the preseason, you can say that they, they those games don't really matter, but I think it builds a lot of confidence um, for some clubs because they need to win. It's important for them to have that on their back, that win. Um, and the Dragons definitely need that. They're definitely a, a side that has their back against the wall from the start of the season, and you can see how hungry they were. Um, but, yeah, like you said, man, Cody Walker is a gun. I don't think they can be a super coach team without Cody Walker there. He's going he's gonna to have his hands on the ball an incredible amount, um, and he, he looks good. He looked hungry. He looked like he w- was there to play. He is the skills man that he had. And, and the... Yeah, he was just everywhere for the rabbits. If they didn't have him, they were they were fucked. I think so. That he he kept the game open for them, but yeah, I think that coming back from that tough start was was, was difficult. Why we're here in in preseason? Was there anything else over the preseason games that caught your eye or you thought was interesting? Uh, yeah, mate. There was a few things that I that I seen um, that one thing was the bulldogs. Um, you know their their attack was good. Burton looked pretty good, um, but they do not look like a team that has gelled, and they look like a team that have in the back of their minds that if they don't perform in the first five weeks, their coach is looking out the door. Uh, that's what I the feeling I got from them. Uh, at least I think the the Storm, even though they you know didn't. They weren't very convincing over the nights and they got done in the, the first week of trials. A whole host of uh, their mainstay players weren't playing or playing in the right positions, not playing the full game. I think they're going to be very, very strong again this year and even you know now getting Brandon Smith back um, straight away for round one, it's going to be massive for them. Um, the Tigers, I think... Uh, you know, they showed a bit of fight against the Roosters, but I think it's a bit of a false hope. Um, the Eels look strong, but they're, again, a bit of false hope. You know, you don't win premierships in March. I love the social media on that. It's been awesome. And <laughs> following all the memes, memes, moms. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been it's been good to watch uh, all, all the, the hammering they've been getting just because they had such a good... Had a good start, and they're still getting getting pumped by the fans. I love it. That could be the team that you know people, even after six weeks, will still be saying, "I, oh, you know, you not you don't win the comp at the start, and then you know they'll be top of the table, and and then after ten weeks, we're like, oh shit, we've um, <laughs> we've been sleeping on the eels. Yeah, but I'm I'm ready to take that uh, because I don't believe that they'll you know be a top four uh, team. Um, uh, other than that, man, I think um, pretty pretty stock standard across the board. Nothing really stood out 
it's hard, you know, they're not not having these teams putting their their good teams on the or their good players on the park for their, any amount of time to mm. give a real idea mm. of what's going on. Did you see anything that you kind of pulled out of these games? Um <sighs> I like I don't know I, I watched the Charity Shield real closely and I also was watching the the Roosters play. Um, I I got quite excited about the Roosters even though they went down. Um, their goal line defence was just incredible. Like you say their goal line defence or was it that the Tigers lacked a bit of creativity on the line? But it was more like the try savers. They they must have made. I think there was a stat right before half time that come up where. They had they'd taken 20 tackles in their opposition, 20, um, 21 tackles, and they had, hadn't let in a try there. Um, that shows that they've got their shit together. Um, if Even though they went down, but it's because, you know, you, you're missing the likes of Kiri and Tedesco. They're missing a lot of firepower um, attack like on their offense, but their, their defense, if their second string is can hold the line like that, I think a lot of teams are going to have trouble scoring tries against them. So I was really, really impressed with that, um, even though they went down. Like, that's the sort of thing with these preseason results. You've really got to look at specifics of the games um, because the results definitely don't show the the true story behind behind the game. So... Um, I, I like that. Um, yeah, so that was sort of the big one for me, really. And, yeah, all the all the mess around Canterbury and being undisciplined, it doesn't look, doesn't look good for them, man. Not at all. Uh, all right, I mean, let's have a look at the power rankings, really. For the one to eight, we've got Melbourne coming in at the top. Penrith very close behind them. You got Manly and then South Sydney rounding out the top four. Then you've got the Roosters, Para, the Titans, and the Sharks in the bottom four of the top eight. Um, what are your first overall thoughts and and the key points there? Yeah, so like the bottom eight here, we also have two distinct groups. You have you know the the top four or five teams that are really I think a class above the rest um and i don't see really any team from you know the eels titans or sharks pushing for a top four spot um i think the storm and the panthers are pretty much a lock-in for one and two and then you have the, the sea eagles rabbitos and roosters all kind of vying for that third and fourth spot uh, with a lot of weight put on kind of depth and injuries and, and how they can perform. The, the strength of schedules is pretty important here as well. Uh, we see that a lot of these top eight teams have tough schedules. The Roosters have, you know, comparably one of the toughest schedules of the whole NRL. Uh, and the Eels and the Raiders, well, obviously the Raiders aren't in this, this top eight now, but the, the Eels... Um, have a quite a hard schedule as well so that's going to play a pretty big part i think through the year and you know with origin coming in a lot of these teams will feature heavily in origin it's going to be important to get a win when you can to maintain position it's going to be a tough fight up the top there yeah i agree it's like you've almost got three groups here because you have the storm and the panthers that i think are clearly one and two 
Like, of course, there's a chance for a roughy creeping in there, but they look pretty solid there. And I think all the markets and all the fans have them a lock um, at one and two there. Yeah, it can really go any way. Like the schedule does play a, a a massive role. I think that the start of the schedule is gonna is gonna be pretty big. Um, how teams go right from the start, um, which obviously lays a platform. You saw the Eels even last year. That last year they started well and then died at the end. Um, but I think it's really really important this more this year than ever because it is so tight. Um, in their groups, it's tight. So I think getting these wins at, at the start of the year when you've when you've got a chance can really, really play a role. I think every week is going to be really, really important. Um, yeah, but there's there is a, like a lot of movers. I think the middle is really, really interesting for me. Um, the the roosters and the rabbits, I think, can it's really gonna. It'd be really interesting to see how they go. If these teams can be injury-free, um, there, there can be a little bit of movement there. But I don't know. I'm excited. I like the top eight. I think it's pretty. It's almost a lock now with Fogarty going out and being being out for up to four months. I think the the top eight's pretty solid. I don't see anyone getting in there either, really. Um, no, but- and with the Sharks having, um, you know, the thirteenth. Hardest or the the fourth easiest schedule of uh, the season, it'd be hard place to to push them out of the eight. And mm. a lot of these with these conversations about you know oh you know a team could overperform or or sneak in to the eight, you have got to also think about that you're pushing a team out. So what team you're pushing out of the eight? Mm. You know you can, it's hard to push the Sharks out. Mm. They played quite well on the weekend when they had their their good lineup on the field. Uh, Hines took another another leap, and their their back line is is firing. So it's going to be hard to push them out. It's it could possibly be the Titans. They're a bit unknown, mm. um, but they also have a quite an easy schedule. So mm. it's going to be uh, it's going to be a very interesting. Uh, well, sorry, as the Titans actually have on average the easiest schedule. Yeah. Of the whole NRL. I think that's why they are a little bit of a lock there, really. I think it has to go pretty bad for them to to rack up the amount of losses they're going to need to uh, be knocked out of the eight. Um, sometimes you've got to take that sort of, yeah, like you said, how who's going to get the, how are they going to get their wins and where are they going to get their losses from? But I think as long as things go well and, and don't completely fall apart, I, I think they're pretty safe there. And, and it shouldn't. They've been building, um, of course, I'm biased, but um, they've been doing all the right things and showing all the right signs. I think a lot has to do with their halves, really. If, if their halves can click um, and then click with Campbell at the back as well, they, they they should be all right. They should make the eight, and I think that's obviously their goal. They're not trying to push for a top four spot. They want to play finals and try and get a win in the first week. Is would be a real a realistic goal for them. And yeah, if they. What do you think um, of any of these teams? What what do you feel is going to be? You know, when we're sitting here in three weeks' time, we're like, okay, well, that's not looking like we predicted. Mm. What what's happened? Why have these teams dropped down? Why have they moved up? Uh, 
what could a possible kind of reaction be? Or uh, yeah, well, like we said, we start with the we start with the Titans. Really, I think like they can it can go in both directions. I think they can they can be solid there and and get the wins that they need. Um, but if they don't click or something happens, they they don't have a lot of depth there in the in the halves. So, or maybe even if Campbell doesn't fire like he was doing at the at the end of last year, then Brimson goes to the back. Then you start mucking around with combinations in the halves, and they can yeah they can start losing some games that you would most likely think that they would win. Um, I think also Manly man like you you always have to ride on turbo. Um, do you have a stat of? how many games Manly won when Turbo was injured or do you have any like idea? I'm, I'm trying to remember from last year what um, how they I went. But... A, I don't have the exact number, but from memory, it's an astounding number of how their win percentage is affected by him just suiting up. Yeah, yeah, because they can be in, in big trouble. Like their, their side is incredible. Like they're... Their backline is is outrageous, um, and but if Turbo goes, it seems like he's the catalyst, he's the finisher, he's everything to that to that team and to that backline. And I think if he goes down, Manly can be like I obviously if they're getting losses, but it doesn't matter. It depends on how many games he's out. But so I don't think they're ever going to drop out of the top eight unless he goes out for the year. Um, but yeah, they can end up down the bottom in the bottom of the top eight um, if he goes down. So I've, I've found uh, some numbers here. This is written in in April of uh, twenty one, so it didn't really take into account at all last year's season. But since Turbo shifted to fullback in twenty sixteen, Manly have a win percentage of fifty one point three five percent. Of the games when he does play, but when he when he's not in there, they're down to thirty. Wow! So that's a massive difference. Yeah, uh, it's huge. And they're they're uh, sixteen points better off margin wise when he plays. Yeah. Yeah, I was going through some old pods not so long ago, and I they was listening to a pod about yeah manly i can't remember who they were playing i think they were going up against south and the line when turbo was wasn't going to play and they were expected to they were expected to win no they were expected to lose by i think 10 the margin was like 10 and a half against south and then when he got named to play they it brought it into like one and a, minus one and a half so he, yeah, like it's it's huge. The, the margin, I think, whenever he's playing, you, you're hoping you get on the right side of that margin bet, um, especially if he's a bit touch and go. I think you just always have to bet on it if he's touch and go because you're going to win on that margin if, if he plays or doesn't play in those games. So it'll be something to watch throughout the year, I think. I'd say that Manly have arguably the best back line, complete back line, uh, of this top eight, or probably of any team uh, in the NRL, you got Foran, uh, Turbo, Garrick, Saab. You've seen him mm. <laughs> taking those intercepts on the weekend, or, yeah. or 
backing up, you know, he's like a gazelle just striding out. Yeah, he's hectic. No one's even near him. No. Uh, Harper and, and Parker, I mean, they're a, as a complete back line, I reckon I rate them the best. Mm. You know, other teams have got a missing maybe a, a, a set good centre or a good winger mm. or their, their full-back's injured, whatever it is, but this is a complete back line. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it is off the chain, man. If all if all of them are healthy and their forward pack's not too bad either, like that's why like they were they were a sleeper last year. They could have easily made the grand final, man. They they had a cracking couple of cracking battles in the finals, um, and just missed out. But uh, if you get a result here and there, a, a few good calls from the ref, I think they could have easily been ended up in the finals, really. Um, so they are strong, um, and they've definitely got the finishes. And you saw in all the games, like it was only really Melbourne that had the ability to completely shut down Turbo. Um, and you saw what he did in Origin. Um, he was also absolutely unstoppable. Um, so like I, I don't think you can ever count them out, but if he goes down, they're in trouble. Um, I also think it's... Yeah, it's really, really interesting. The Rabbits have a have a tough start. Um, they can be looking at zero and four, man, because you've got Latrell out in the first game when they play against the Broncos, and then they play the Storm, and then they play the Roosters, and then they play the Panthers. Um, so that's tough. Like, imagine if the Rabbits start at zero and four without without Reynolds. Um, they can be in big, big trouble there and, and really move on these power rankings, I think, because obviously after three and they go zero and four, they're obviously going to move down, but they can be looking at a at a, at a tough year um, just from that start because you've got a young fullback um, in, in tough um, starting and then you've got Elias playing in the halves. He looked quite good, though, in the trials. I was I was impressed. Um, his kicking game was really good. Obviously, he doesn't have the composure that Reynolds does, um, and that's going to be missed. But it, I, he had a massive boot on him. I didn't realize he was he was that good. Um, Kicked to twenty forty. Yeah, which hadn't happened in like a few years or something. I think. Well, only only one other one has ever happened. Mm. Yeah, so you know that's impressive. You have to have to give it to him. So it's going to be interesting to see how they how the rabbits start and if they can pick up a win or two. Um, otherwise, they can be having to do the season the tough way and digging out of a hole. How much is Cody Walker, do you think, important for them and, and the way that he uh, interacts with the team and his kind of body language and his, the way he goes about? You know, if, if they drop down to that 0-3 or 0-4, is he going to lift them out of that or is he going to be drag him down further like previously I, I think you would say that he he couldn't do it um but looking at him on the weekend they were pretty impressed he really took control um he's never really had to do it i guess he when he's had reynolds by his side um obviously when reynolds has been down but obviously to take on that role that full-time role of being the leader and being the the backbone of that team um I think it, like it could be good for him. It looked really, really good on the weekend. Um, he, he looks like he's ready to step up. It's in the right time of his career. He's had he's had the highs and the lows, so he's got the experience. He saw what saw what happened to him 
um, when he played Origin and had a bit of a shocker and got dropped. And then he came out at the end of the season and uh, played incredibly. So he's he's been through some the ups and the downs and he's got the experience. So I think I think it, it is really, really important. The whole rabbit season depends on it really. Um, but I, I don't know. I think he's got it in him, absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll soon find out and see if he's got that, not just a mongrel in him, but he can calm it down and got the got the leadership as well. Um, but I think the mongrel's also really important. Cody doesn't back down from a fight, and I think people like that about him. But I think he's just going to have to pick pick his battles now when he's got to be the leader. And um, yeah, and then you've got obviously. Uh, Cam Murray there as well, but I think all all the eyes are on Cody Walker, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. It's a good storyline for the year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Panthers, how do you feel about them? I I'm thinking you know they look like they got a bit of a premiership hangover, um, but it could be just the the preparation and you know, they're they're thinking. Obviously, a long season, get to the finals, try and replicate how good they were. They're not maybe looking to hit their straps in March like the Eels or the Tigers have been. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you can't really judge them until Cleary gets on the field. Um, he just he's obviously huge for them, and but I, I, that... I felt their 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 effort and their their you know they're not. It's not a question about their skill level or that they can score points because they've been shown to do that. But mm. they they got trounced dramatically by by Parramatta, yeah. and that that isn't a skill thing. That's an effort. Thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. That just carries depends. over to to round one or round two or round three, whatever. You know, you, you've already said that they're they're matching up against the Rabbitohs yeah, in round three. I think it was. Um, you know, if if they don't have that effort there early, then it could hurt them further down. You know, they might be staring on the barrel of a five or sixth place and not no home ground semi final. Yeah, absolutely. But I, like, I still don't know how serious you can take their effort in preseason, and it's all about peaking at the right time. And you don't know what's said in the change rooms that how they're supposed to defend and. Yeah, it was obviously more important for Parramatta to take the game a little bit more seriously because they're a team that needs to ride on on confidence, and it was more important for them. So I don't know. It'll be let's let's see in round one. But they also, you know, lost they lost a couple of key players. Capewell, man, his effort on the field. I think he's probably the most underrated loss. Um, one of the biggest movements of, of the whole off-season because the, what he does like in defence and how he controls the edge, I think they're going to miss him a, a lot, a lot more than what most people think. Um, it's sort of gone a little bit under the radar because everyone's been focusing on Burton. And then you've also got Momorowski that, that disappeared and they, they are important. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Panthers do go. And then if Cleary or... Luai get injured and you don't have that easy decision for Burton to just pop back um, into the halves. I think you're. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they go. They might. They mightn't be this solid lock that we that we all think. But 
if everything goes well, I'm sure they're gonna be they're gonna be fine, you know. Um, what a, you can the betting wise, the the market has moved on Penrith in round one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, when I I looked at it uh, over the weekend, and it was the Panthers are playing paying a dollar fifty four. Uh, for the win over Manly, and now they're pushed out a little bit—not a, not a massive amount, but out to one sixty—and mm. that gives a, a um, expected win percentage of around sixty uh, sixty-two and a half percent. The models that we have, and just looking at last year's results, that win percentage was at eighty towards mm. the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So it's been chopped down a fair bit. And even pushed out since last week uh, with the the sharp betting. So, you know, people are a little bit wary of, of the old Penny Panthers, it would seem. Yeah, and I guess they have right to. But you never know until round one, man. I'm I'll be back I'll be back in the Panthers. Oh, maybe not, you never know, man. Manly manly are good. Manly are gonna be an interesting packet. Any of the other teams you feel that um, you know something, something interesting that pops out, or a a, a movement, or a, a a stat, or something that you know kind of dictates about their positions or where they might end up in yeah. our rankings after a few weeks. Yeah, I, like I said at the start of the show, I, I I like the the more of diving into everything. I'm liking the Brewsters a lot more. Um, if you're following a lot of the sites, they've People are taking the roosters much higher. They're pushing them into the top one and two, and I didn't really understand it a lot. But now, when you sit back and you look at it, I, I, I think they're very, very interesting, man. If Kiri, like everything, <laughs> rides on, on Kiri staying healthy, and that's, yeah, that's always an unknown, man. He's had a lot of trouble with these concussions, um, so that's gonna be, it's gonna be tough. But if he can stay healthy. I think the the Roosters are are an interesting side, and then if South goes zero and four, I think that can be an easy swap there from um, fifth fifth into fourth. Um, but it's also going to be interesting to see they've got no corner and no friend, so there's a new leadership group that needs to come into the Roosters. Obviously, you've got Teddy there. There's plenty of experience and a lot of players that know how to win football games, but what Cordner and Friend do in the locker room, I think, is a is a big deal. It's a loss, and it's going to be interesting to see how um, how Teddy goes. What about you, mate? What have you been looking at? Um, I think we've gone over the most part. I I also believe that uh, Kiri is going to be a, an integral part if. The, I mean, we've seen the Roosters went pretty far last year on, on the depth, um, but to repeat that, uh, you have those players coming in that are a bit unknown with Sam Walker and Lockie Lamb and Drew Hutchison, those kind of fellas that teams, opposition teams didn't really have enough time to scout. So, but now they, they know, they know, they have the video, they have the, the matchups and, you know, from last year. They're going to be ready if those blokes pop up again. So if Kiri's there, it's going to add another dimension and and give them a an easier kind of uh, route to winning. Mm. But 
Yeah, no, it's it's uh, going to be very interesting. Mm. I'm a little bit biased there as well. I, I think they are a, a solid team, mm. and you know they're they're like Melbourne. They they always have always been successful, and they're they're not a team that kind of rebuilds. They they always have to be relevant, and mm. and they attract talent. Uh, and you see that you know they don't have a, a very blossoming juniors. Uh, section, but they they're good at recruiting. They're good at earmarking players, and and their club and organisation is something that other players want to be a part of. And you've seen that now with with Brandon Smith signing and with Tedesco coming over, and yeah, uh, when Kiri got the kind of the boot from South, he ended up there as well. And right. and you see also with the players that they move on, if they don't fit in with the system and they don't adhere to the rules. Then they get the flick because it's all about the club and playing together and and being successful. Mm. Yeah, like on that, I think like what you're saying, there's there's not a lot of movement. Players stay there. I think when we've been when I've been diving into into the top eight to the bottom eight, I've sort of noticed it's it's very consistent with a lot of the clubs when you're looking at the top eight. Obviously. Like the Sharks and the Titans at the bottom there have had a lot of movement recently. But once you go from para and up, there's not a lot of, there hasn't been a lot of movement in the off season. Um, there's a lot of stability in these clubs. And I think that plays a, a really big part of obviously why they are the top six teams um, and pretty locked there. Uh, it's very, yeah, like obviously there's different clubs in different parts of their build but I find it very very interesting like it was just much easier to sort of go through team lists and go okay there's been a couple of movements a couple of players have retired but the the stability that these top six clubs have in their roster is is a big difference between the bottom the bottom eight um, if not the bottom ten really um, yeah, like, do you have anything else to add on on why we're so confident in the in these top eight sides compared to the bottom eight? Uh, nothing more than just to confirm that uh, Melbourne have shortened in the game against uh, the Tigers. They went from one thirty three over the weekend to one twenty eight, mm. and even. The Cowboys and the Bulldogs have evened out, so the Bulldogs have copped a bit of flack after their mm. their game on the weekend, and with the Cowboys putting in that effort, have um, gained a bit of traction. I'd say that's probably public money coming in there. It's mm. probably the biggest movement of all of them, uh, nine decimal spots. But but I mm, yeah, I don't know if the Cowboys have when it comes down to a competition game if they have enough to beat the Bulldogs. But we have a, a bet on with the the Storm uh thirteen plus and that's now at two two ten. I think we jumped on that at two twenty. So it's going in the right direction. It's meaning it's a bit more a bit more popular now. Uh, which is good to see that we're on the right track somewhere. Yeah, nice. Mate, I wanted to chat chat to you about a, a um a funny thing I was thinking about earlier today, and it's the the I wouldn't say sudden, but uh, 
there's quite a lot of these popular or famous names back in the NRL. Mm. Uh, you know, growing up in the, the 90s, you had players like uh, Dyer and Wishart, Cleary, Johns, Campbell, you know, in the 2000s, Ciro, Walters, and and now all the these players are all the names are coming back with with sons of these uh, stars. And I think it's pretty cool. It's and and they're good players as well. Um, you've seen just how much uh, Young Campbell's done in the Titans there, and he's just an even smaller version of his dad, but he's mm. just so electric. Yeah, absolutely. He come on like a firecracker. I don't think anyone really expected it. Um, and like ultimately he's caused the, the reshaping of the the Titans team really because there were you had to have him in the side, you have to have AJ Brimson in the side, where do you who do you move? Can't really play Campbell anywhere else. So the only option was to move Brimson into the halves. Um, and then all of a sudden you've got Fogarty going, you've got Peachy leaving and you've got a new halves pairing there. But it was on the back of how electrifying Campbell was when he got his chances last last year. Um, it's really exciting. And then I guess you've seen Johns um, working his way through, going through the Melbourne system um, and obviously starting to come of age. Yeah, you've got Cleary, obviously, doing what he's doing. Um, and then even you've got Billy Walters now coming and playing up in Brisbane, playing for his dad. So that's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Um, a, it's going to be interesting to see there how uh, what Kevy does. There's that open spot um, playing next to Reynolds is is really really contested. Um, so it's going to be really really interesting to see if Walters gets first crack at it or if they're going to play with Albert Kelly or there's going to be so much chat in the media i think about it whichever way it goes i think it's a really really tough situation um but it is um it is good to see yeah and i think just seeing um wishart on the weekend i i i loved rod wishart growing up i thought he was a fantastic player and (laughs) to see tyra now coming out Playing as a dummy half in Melbourne, I mean, it's it's a hard position to crack, and it's been a position owned of Cam Smith for so many years, and now mm. suddenly he's in line to, you know, if, if Brandon Smith was still suspended, he probably would have started mm. as the Melbourne hooker in round one. So I hope he he gets his opportunity uh, early in the season and can show, and obviously, you know, cement a place in that team once Brandon Smith leaves. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be good. I love it. I love it. It's just sort of you get a familiarity about it and I think, um, I don't know, it's a bit of nostalgia. Uh, it makes you love your footy a little bit more because it reminds you obviously of watching footy when you're a kid and you get sort of a little bit of excitement out of it. And it also makes you feel a little bit old when you've got a, another generation. You finally realise that. Your shot, you don't have a shot at playing in the NRL anymore yourself if the kids of the people you were growing up watching are, are playing and you're old enough to be their dad. Um, yeah, yeah, that little window is closed now, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, shit happens. 
Um, but yeah, Ryan, like we've been working on it. We've talked a little bit, touched a little bit on it. Now, our first few shows have been a lot about, yeah, leading up to the to the season and a lot of talk. But we've obviously been focusing a lot, or you've been focusing a lot over the European winter and while you've been off um, after having your second child. Um, you put a lot of work into a into a couple of models of I don't know trying to get on the right side of the book I guess you can say um, betting wise what what have you been working on and what are we focusing on when we're looking to try and get an edge up um, on yeah on some of these betting sites and getting on the right side of the odds well. So it started, we, we love a bit of a, a punt. We followed the American football quite closely. I've been an NBA fan and American sports fan. Both have been for a, a lot of years. And, uh, you know, that, that betting possibility and trying to get it a bit smarter around where you put your bets and, and all that kind of led to me. Got tired of losing uh, money, look, really, right? <laughs> exactly. Tired <laughs> of losing money on shit bets. Yeah. <laughs> um, led to playing around a bit with an NBA model and building um, building one of those and, and just really just playing and, and looking, okay, how does it work? What what stats are important? I like I like the numbers, I like looking, you know, deep dives and seeing, okay, what what are we really looking at here and can we bring anything out of these numbers and and we got talking a bit more about how we could apply that to the NRL and that, you know, there's only a very select few of people that are doing it at the moment. Um, maybe there could be some value behind it. You know, we're, we're not going to get any worse. We're not going to lose any more money than we're already losing by by betting and using these models. Maybe it's a bit of a, a support through, through the season. And so, yeah, we started kind of applying the same principles from from the NBA and the NFL models and um, we you know found some some great uh, information and some sites run by other NRL fans you know Pythago NRL um, just to name one of them it's it's fantastic information and we're just hoping to kind of build on that a bit more and create a bit more statistical database one thing I'm annoyed at is that the NRL and Fox Sports, their their statistics are, you know, nowhere near the American sports, and they're nowhere near as user friendly either. So, so when we're kind of looking at this and trying to collate statistics to use to build models, it's a um, it's a bit of a struggle and a bit of a bit of hard work. But uh, but for, first and foremost, you know, one of the easiest models to build around is previous scores and previous margins and and win loss ratios of teams. Because uh, those trends do hold, and and win percentages over a longer period of time are quite consistent. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's it's going to be interesting to follow and and kind of tweak and and build, continue to kind of improve on the models throughout the season. Yeah, like when you're talking about the stats that you're looking for, um, that maybe are missing from the NRL. Obviously, in American sports, they they, they yeah they seem to record everything where you only have a yeah a handful and it's getting bigger i guess um but i especially with uh, the big uh, change in interest in stats after super coach i think has done a, 
a world of good for for statistics in in rugby league and AFL for that matter. Um, but like, I don't know. We've been discussing stuff and and really trying to work out what's important because obviously one of the models, if you get once you go off the models from wins and losses and margins, um, and trying to work out different things that affect that. What sort of main stats are we are we looking at? What what are they that's important? Yeah, so we we've kind of earmarked a, a fair few stats that we we believe are important to uh, either score points or to have points scored against, and which in turn leads to winning or losing games or covering spreads. Um, so we've got you know obviously the tries scored, which is a direct um, direct product of winning games, but our you know total runs, run meters, line breaks, tackle busts, uh, amount of times you tackled inside the opposition twenty will usually translate to a, a standard amount of points per tackle, um, and you can you know compare that between two teams. Mm. Uh, Force dropouts, you know, repeat sets, line engagements, and and where on the field you score your try, mm. um, and then obviously all these stats you need to to look at and say, okay, well, how important are they? How many points do they equate to mm. per game? And that's the hard part is figuring out, okay, should we weight this at eleven percent or twelve percent or fourteen percent or twenty eight percent? You know, it's that's where the, the the real tweak and the the knowledge of the game is going to be important to to figure out exactly how to weight these different stats and and one of the best things that, you know really looking at this is the stats that we thought were important from the beginning that aren't mm. uh, one of the the main ones that we spoke about were errors and mm. completion rate mm. has effectively nothing to do with winning a game. If you just look at the plain stats and the teams that perform well with completion rates and errors and the teams that don't perform well and they're, they're positioned on the ladder after the yeah. season, they, they don't correlate at all. And that's, you know, fantastically interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was quite a shock when we were looking at it when we started this whole project. Because, um, yeah, what was important. And I think the, the what we've been noticing is obviously – what statistics that you that we have that show okay how much does a team create pressure and field position but you might be might be good at having good field position and pushing in into opposing 20 but you don't have the ability then to to score points from that um i guess you sort of it's Bringing all these stats together and getting a result from it with the team, like with the positives and the offense of a team, but then also doing it backwards and going, okay, a team can sit and and absorb pressure. Like you look at Melbourne and you look at the Roosters and what they've been able to do. They've been the top teams, and you see maybe they they don't always have the best field position when they play. Um, against a team, they but they can absorb the pressure from a team, and then when they get their chances, they score tries. Um, but then when the other team's getting chances, they can't score tries. Um, I think that's what we noticed was was obviously really really important is 
creating pressure, creating field position, and then converting on that field position, um, which was quite interesting. And then obviously trying to put together a model where we can put two sides against each other and go, okay, this is an interesting stat. This is an interesting. This is where this team is gonna is gonna win the game um, because you've all of a sudden you've got a team that uh, can absorb pressure against a team that um, can't score on the line. So. Um, just and that's as exactly an right. What you were on onto there is, you know, the, the tackled in the opposition twenty. Mm. If you look at uh, stats from previous years, you you'll see that you know the Tigers uh, and the Eels have been very highly ranked, uh, comparably or even better than the Rabbitohs and the Sea Eagles. But that hasn't translated into points. So. Mm. That's that's you know the the fun part about making these models and and using information is okay. Well, maybe some stats are important for some teams and will be conducive to them winning, but the same stat might not be as important to another team. And then that's where the the human part uh, comes in and and using discretion and uh, say okay, well just in this game we should maybe remove that statistic from the model because it doesn't have as large effect as what it would in another game between two other opponents. Is that a way you can then get an edge on the book as well? Because obviously the your betting sites are uh, very, very statistical based. Is, is that human factor... Um, a way to get up or is it a way where you where you can lose sometimes um it's a good question i think that you know where as as any kind of person with a, a bit of knowledge on on betting would understand that you know we're not trying to to specifically beat the book per se we we're trying to get the edge um, when the book is trying to balance itself out uh, because a certain amount of people are betting one side more than the other. And if we can either predict or at least see from the beginning, okay, well, the the overwhelming percentage of data is pointing in this direction, but the, the line's moving in that direction, then we can say, okay, well, there's value there because, uh, you know, maybe you have the public money uh, coming out heavy on, on one team, whereas, you know, the, the stats are showing the other direction is probably the, the better value. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're looking for essentially is the value. You know, we're not always looking for the one team to be better than the other. Mm-hmm. We're looking to see, okay, can a team cover a spread or can they get close enough to make it a valuable, you know, a chance? Mm-hmm. Um, we need to win, you know, what was it, 55% of our bets or whatever to be profitable. And if we can see a, uh, an odds that give you enough kind of power to to push it over that percentage, that win percentage, then you're like, okay, well, that's a valuable bet. You know, they might not always win, but mm. the times they do win, it's going to be profitable. So that's, yeah, understanding the market, understanding the – the psychology of of betting and and then also you know being aware of what our data says and and knowing when to use it knowing when not to use it um, it's going to be fun and, and interesting and 
collating these stats is going to be, be great as well because I think, you know, we're going to have a, a database of team stats that and possibly, quite possibly, you know, player stats that in the one spot that don't exist today. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to it. It's been, a, it's been fun up to now and it's only going to get more and more interesting um, along, all the way, you know, the longer it goes. And just hopefully it pays for my flight tickets to the grand final. <laughs> might be, might I be, think so as well. might be optimistic, but you know, we'll see. Um, and then obviously with the power rankings, I think it's also interesting. You know, obviously, the power rankings go a lot on teams winning and winning against teams that are lower than them, and then obviously teams winning against teams that are better than them to be able to get movement there but how much do you expect the power rankings once once you get a, a base i guess after say four or five games how how much is it going to move so this is a a thing that's probably most um based around our our opinions and and how much we value different things uh, compared to anyone else's power rankings mm. uh, it's very subjective and we've we've chosen to just look at um start with last year's results and build on top of that mm. whereas you know looking at, at uh, websites and and uh, media channels that that have a longer history back you know their their power rankings might seem a little bit different leading into a season because they're taking more season into account. Uh, so we've tried to just look at uh, 2021 and and then how a team has changed their roster coming into 2022 and then obviously their, their strength of schedule on top of that. And then we look at, okay, how are we weighting uh, these expected wins against each other or, or against unexpected wins and... And that's going to be interesting to try and find a right K value, as mm. we call it, um, how, how much, how sensitive we want the system to be or the model to be when a team beats another team. Mm. Um, and that'll be a little bit of a, uh, an interesting kind of development through the season. We've done a fair bit of back testing to see, okay, well, if we were to apply this number uh, for the results in a certain year, what result would that give at the end of the year? And we we think we found the right the right value, pretty standard value, um, but it'll it'll uh, probably give a, a movement over a certain you know a number of weeks more. So we won't have a very sensitive uh, model that will probably move a, a team in any direction significantly over over one win it'll probably be more three mm. three to five weeks where you'll see b- big movements occur mm. um you know one spot a hop up and down one or possibly two spots could could happen week to week but a, a larger move will be over a you know three to five week period mm. does that allow obviously obviously if, if players are getting injured um if it's just a one week injury and then all of a sudden they get back on there back in the winning column again um but if a player goes down for three or four weeks you say if someone like Kiri goes out 
um, and is out for three or four months. Does, does do you get any movement from that in the, or does it need to go down to straight away down to wins and losses? Yeah. So here's um, something that we've we've played around a little bit with about how we can try and account for injuries. Um, we the the models, the standard models that are, are quite um, popular or, or current amongst. Um, I wouldn't say professional but stat it's, gurus that, or what stat gurus and people that enjoy doing this, this, the standard issue of a model doesn't take into account injuries because it's such a, a subjective uh, moment. You know, how much, how many points is Nathan Cleary worth or how many points is Josh Adokar worth? Yeah, well, I mean, but at the same time, the, the replacements are also going to score points. So, mm. You know what's the difference, and and here's something we found we maybe could could try and find a bit of a niche about forming a model and, and getting statistics around certain players and, and certain positions and trying to account for that in um in a model. But first and foremost, you know, from round to round, you're looking at a an injury, uh, and that's something you have to take into account just by you know pure dissertation and, and looking and talking and discussing and adjusting the model manually, mm. then over a certain amount of weeks, it'll it'll automatically factor it in because that player won't be there and, and contributing to the team. So, mm. you know, after three weeks, it's baked into the score and baked into the meetings and, mm. and the movement because that player hasn't existed for those amount of weeks. So... Uh, it isn't very interesting to know kind of when to when to uh, alter the model to uh, affect or to use the injury information, and then if we're using a separate model with the players involved in the player stats, and we're removing that player from the injury uh, because of the injury, where is the kind of breaking point? The other models taking it into account, so mm. it's going to be fun to to, to try this out and uh, figure out what the hell we're doing with it all. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of playing around, but obviously, it's this isn't a a project that goes smoothly straight away after the first the first month or the first year. It's um, but the more information that we have and the more information that we build, it's going to um, hopefully turn into something quite solid. Um, but let's move on now. Uh, the betting this week, or betting this weekend, um, obviously starting to have a look at the games in the first round. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm, to our next show before the season, when we, like, we do a little bit of a preview of what our thoughts are in the upcoming season after all this chitter-chatter with our power rankings, what do we actually think is going to happen? And... Um, I've been looking at a few sort of future future bets. Nothing that's really set in stone, nothing I'm going to hang my hat on today. Um, but I was zooming through the markets that we get here on, on the best side is uh, ATG, um, which does a very interesting head-to-head -head battle. Um, so I found some bets where I find there's a little bit of value 
um, that I'll really be looking at. You've got Canberra against Brisbane on the ladder. You've got Canberra paying 175. Um, I think it's pretty solid. I think obviously it's going to be interesting to see how they go without Fogarty, but I still don't think that Brisbane are going to jump them on the ladder. Um, so I like the value at 175 there. Um, you've also got Canterbury versus the Knights head-to-head. Um, and Canterbury getting 180. So that's also pretty impressive odds. I think Canterbury are going to do better than the Knights. We, we've been a bit hard on the Knights um, in the preseason and still think even after the weekend that they're a, yeah, they're a couple of players away, a couple of injuries away from from being a, a bottom two side. So um, I like the value at Canterbury with 180. Um, and then you're looking, obviously, you're going to find value about with some teams coming into the top eight, um, so anywhere from 7th to, to 12th. But obviously, we've got the Sharks and the Titans making the top eight, and you're getting pretty much even money or, or a little bit more on both of them. The Sharks are at 195 and the Titans are at 215. So, yeah, I'll be, I think, throwing some money on them. Obviously, throw some money on the Titans just to make it more fun year for me um, to ride them a little bit harder. But I think the Sharks the Sharks can be a, a good side. They can push their way in if everything goes their way. Um, I think they they can be pushing for a top seven, top six spot if... You know, if things if they get their shit together from the start, so um, I like the value in that. And then you've got Manly, you've got Manly at 180 to make the the top four. So I think that's also pretty solid. Um, we've got them easily in the top four. If Turbo stays healthy, they can be pushing their way in for a, a top two spot maybe. So I like that. And then you're an Eels hater, but. Um, I've got the, like there's really good value in the eels to make the top four at 375. You have no belief in them, but I think if things go their way, um, they you know they could be there. And I like I like the figure more than anything else. Um, else there, they had a good trial match. They get some confidence, um, then they can um, they can do some do some good there. Um, I think. Their tough part of their schedule was in the middle around Origin. So if they can get some wins against some easy teams, they were going up against some of the topper teams in that, what is it, like a nine-week period there um, when Origin's on. Even if there's some standalone game weeks with games, I think teams get affected with with players backing up or being tired or needing to, get, needing to be rested and stuff. So if they get a good run, um, they can, yeah, they can be a surprise packet. So, and I think it's a it's make or break for the Eels now. Um, you see, even with Mahoney leaving next year, I think the team's going to break up a little bit. Um, this is their their last chance to do something good before the, they start having to to build and uh, build their team around some new players. Even if Gutho is still going to be there, I think this is yeah one of their got to be their final year before they have to start re-evaluating things again so um, I like the value at 375 to make the top four but it is an outside bet absolutely but the value's there what about you mate have you been looking at anything in the future or yeah, I was just uh, comparing the the odds for grand final winner from Monday last week and uh, up until today and 
uh, you know, the dragons that burnt us last week have have uh, dropped from 51 down to 31. Mm. Uh, it's a pretty big movement. Mm. Obviously, it's still not uh, not in the in the race, but that's a very big movement. And a lot of people have been kind of saying that they're a bit underestimated and they could be a, uh, a dark horse for the eight. So mm. if you if you like that that narrative, then it might be worth chucking a bit of money on the dragons, you know, just in case anything can happen. Um, and the both the Panthers and the Storm have pushed out a bit from their previous numbers. They're both at five fifty now to to take the grand final from the four fifty and four seventy five respectively. Mm. Uh, Monday last week, so it's been a bit of movement uh, at the the top end and the bottom end, um, and yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I like those future bets that we spoke that you spoke about there and that we spoke about last week. Um, the head to heads, I think it's a pretty cool way to bet mm. because you still you're not uh, dependent on really the rest of the the. Uh, the teams as much it's more you know just look almost yeah like an internal competition for those two teams and you can follow it a bit harder but i'm gonna i'm gonna actually hang my hat on the nba bet tonight uh the miami heat at milwaukee i think the the heat are on a great great run at the moment they're looking hot uh bucks are struggling no pun intended (laughs) (laughs) exactly uh and the Heat are grabbing four and a half points at Milwaukee, mm. uh, but yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on that. The Heat to cover the spread tonight against the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Hanging my hat on it. Hanging your hat on it. Give us a quick. How, how good is James Harden going now that he's moved to the Seventy Sixes? Isn't it outrageous? I wonder how long it's going to last. It all depends how long they can keep winning because that's obviously one of the biggest deciding factors in his uh, his choice of whether he wants to put in an effort or not. Mm. Um, it's just I can't believe how, how he quick he got into shape. Yeah. It's just outrageous. Yeah. yeah. The trade. Yeah. Uh, it's, because what does he pop? Yeah, has he popped three triple triple doubles, I think, since he... Since he got, no, got there, I think he's been like outrageous. Four games, five games, he's got two or three triple doubles. He's been off off the hook, and the NBA has been really interesting. It's been a great year um, in the NBA. So much going on. That it's, a lot of drama. Yeah, heaps of drama, and it's. I think it's like really wide open. I think this year, any anything can happen. Um, all teams have had their highs and lows. I think, like, it looked like Golden State were just going to be at the top, but they've looked shaky. Um, even the Suns had a couple of losses. Milwaukee, I don't know. I think it's going to be an awesome, awesome playoffs. I can't, I can't wait. I'd like to just point out one of the bets I made before the season started was the Grizzlies to win their division. Uh-huh. Shit. It's looking very good. bloody good at the moment. Morant popped 50, also 51 had, two nights ago. Yeah. Um, and he only, with only four three free throws. Yeah. He was just everywhere. So, did you see the buzzer beater he did at halftime? Oh, 
outrageous. Oh, ridiculous. But that that passage of play, the, the dunk on Pirtle, mm. the, the the spin around bucket, mm. and then uh, I think he also hit a three from way downtown, and then and then the half court buzzer beater. Uh, it's uh, sorry, the the halftime buzzer beater. It's, yeah, he's he's in the. In the list, on the list for MVP, which you mean, he probably won't, won't win it, but he's definitely uh, worth being in on the list and being discussed. He's mm. just he's fantastic. Yeah, hectic. All right, I'm also going to back the Heat, man. Don't let me down. <laughs> <laughs> NBA's been kicking my ass the last the last couple of weeks. I had a good run there for a while. I should have just gave up while I was ahead. But what's the fun in that? What's the fun in that? Yeah, no good. All right, mate. Well, we look forward to next week, which is gives us only uh, going to be a couple of days before the – it's Teamless Day, I guess. Shit. Teamless Tuesday. Teamless Tuesday. Fuck, a lot going to happen. Plan the pod, do my super coach. Jesus, I'm going to get divorced. A big week. Yeah, big week. Family just has to understand. That's it. Footy season's back. Yeah. So tell them I'll see them in October. Yeah. In Australia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Have a good one. Speak to you. You too, pal. Bye-bye. Thanks. Ciao.